and welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Josh. Today, I'm kind of excited about this one. Excited and also scared. Because yeah. we're talking about a topic that neither of us are super knowledgeable on. Yeah, and, and it's a sport that I'm not super knowledgeable on either, so it's going to be interesting for us to go through this with you guys today and talk about it. Yeah, so without further ado, we're going to talk about FIFA, but actually not quite yet. Yeah. First, we want to talk about what we just nerded out on. For sure. So what have you been nerding out on lately, Justin? Yeah, so I watched a TV show called Glow. Have not seen it. Glow. It's amazing. It's Season 3 just came out on Netflix. It debuted August 9th of this year. Season 1 came out June 23rd of 2017, also on Netflix. And basically, it's a look at professional and personal lives of women's professional wrestling. Uh, it's based in Los Angeles. They moved to Vegas this year. It's all kind of set during the 1980s. It's... Anyway, it, I just I think it's hilarious. It's silly. Um, it's created and written by Liz Flayhive. I definitely butchered that name. Sorry. Who produced Homeland and Nurse Jackie? Carly Mensch, who was the supervising producer for Orange Is the New Black and also Nurse Jackie. So that's probably where they met, or at least they've collaborated before. And it stars. You'll like this a little bit, I think. Allison Brie as Ruth Wilder. You know Allison Brie. I see that she's in Mad Men. But I don't really know who she is, no. She was the wife to Pete. Pete's wife. Pete? I, I, I don't watch Mad Men. Oh. But I, I just know that she's in that show. Oh, so. I'm sorry. I thought, I was, I thought you were... I was no, trying no, to, yeah, no, no. I was trying to make you remember who mm-hmm. it was. Okay, she's also in the Lego movie, and she's also in Community. Uh, we've got Betty Gilpin, who plays Debbie. She's from Masters of Sex and Nurse Jackie. And then Mark Marone who plays Sam, he's from Almost Famous, and then Mike and Dave need wedding dates. And like I said, it, it's just a really fun, cute take on professional women's wrestling. I don't know how accurate it is, but as far as accuracy is, like as far as the setting and the way they're dressed, pretty spot on. Very 80s. We'll have to ask former guest John Reese what his thoughts are, because he's a wrestling expert. We'll oh, have to ask him. That's so, right, yeah. Yeah, John, if you're listening, go ahead and uh, hit us up on the Twitter or wherever you want to hit us up at, and let us know what you think. So Yeah, and they don't talk a lot about the toys. Yeah, that's kind of his his wheelhouse, but he does know wrestling as well. Yeah, he knows this sport, period. Yeah, so, okay. What have you been nerding out on? I have been watching Working Moms with my wife. you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I have seen previews for it online. It is pretty funny. I'm not, I haven't watched the whole series. I've been watching it on and off with her. But it's about four different 30-something mothers who are working and trying to balance their jobs, family life, and love life in Toronto. Um, you know, working moms is always kind of a fun topic to talk about. My wife is a working mother, so it's an interesting show to watch. It's also pretty funny. It debuted on Netflix on January 10th, 2017. It was created and written by Katherine Reitman. Katherine Reitman is also one of the stars of the show as Kate Foster. It has Danny Kind as Ann Carlson and Juni, I'm going to butcher this, Renadias as Frankie Coyne. So, I really enjoy it. It's kind of funny. Um, I, I recommend it if you're just looking for a good comedy that you need to see. It's also got some drama in it, so it's, it's a good dramedy. It's a fun show. Check it out if you want to. Do you think that it embodies what it's like to be a working mom? According to my wife, yes. 100%. Really? It does. Okay. Like trying to breastfeed at work and in public and yeah it's she said it's very accurate 
So wow, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, as we said, we're gonna we're gonna dive into FIFA. We're gonna talk about all things FIFA. I tell you what, I really did learn a lot just doing this research yeah. on this. So, fair warning, I am a, a real football coach, so I'm just I'm a little biased against football. So, but we'll get through this. Let's today. call it American football. Okay, well, versus I don't know about that, you know, football. You're basically pissing off two thirds of the of the world. I know. I stand by that statement. So, <laughs> all right. Well, what is FIFA? It stands for the Federation Internationale de Football Association. Very good pronunciation there. Thank you. Proud of you. It is a nonprofit organization, and it describes itself as an international governing governing body of association football, futsal, hardcourt soccer, beach soccer, and e-football. And I didn't realize that a few of these things even existed. Yeah, me neither. I had never heard of futsal. I guess I've seen it, but mm-hmm. hardcourt soccer? Yeah, I don't know. I've heard rude. of foosball, not well, futsal. Right. Yeah. But. And then I've seen beach soccer, didn't realize there was like an organized mm-hmm. league. And then e-football, I guess I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't realize, again, there was a governing body mm-hmm. for it. It's the highest governing body of football. It's headquartered in Zurich, um, and its membership comprises 211 national associations. And then, so their member countries also have to be members of one of the six regional confederations. There's Africa, Asia, Europe, North and Central America, and the Caribbean, Oceania, and South America. Not Oceania from 1984, but an actual territory. Right. Yes. So, so you should know that. I'm sure there's a bunch of history nerds listening out there. History slash geography now. Yes, very true. FIFA outlines a number of objectives in their organizational statutes, um, including growing football internationally, providing efforts to ensure football is accessible to everyone, and advocating for integrity and fair play. You said that with a straight face, and I'm impressed because I was laughing (laughs) silently over here. I was smirking a little bit. I was going to say there's a little bit of irony in that, but... Yeah. We'll get to that a little bit later. So, FIFA is responsible for the organization and promotion of the major international tournaments, especially, I think we all know, the World Cup, which, go USA ladies, they won this summer. Congrats. And then the Women's World Cup, so the World Cup and Women's World Cup. The Men's World Cup was 1930. Women's World Cup started in 1991. And the International Football Association Board is the organization actually sets the rules of football, so FIFA does not do that, but it does apply and enforce the rules across all of FIFA competitions, so it does have some input. I'm going to switch it over to calling it soccer for the remainder of the podcast, because when I see football, I'm thinking of American football, so I'm going to go ahead and call it soccer for our American listeners out there. Just I will not be doing that. I'm a purist when it comes to American football, so... Uh, You ever seen that, uh, while we're on, you ever seen the, gosh, what's the guy's name, Jason Sudeikis, the American football coach? Yeah, he's the NBC coach. Yeah. Yeah. That would totally be me. That is like 100% what I would do. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Yes. So the motto for the game for the world, and their official languages are English, French, German, and Spanish. The current president is Gianni Infantino. He is from Swiss and Italian heritage after the impeachment of Sepp Blatter, who we will be talking about later in this podcast. A lot. He's a huge part of this. A little bit of history. You know, the need of this came about the beginning of the 20th century as the popularity of international 
kind of organizations and fixtures grew. And so they figured, hey, we need a body to oversee the association of football. It was founded in 1904 to oversee international competition among the national associations of Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland. Yes, and membership of FIFA expanded beyond Europe. Like that's where it started. When it, with the application of South Africa in 1909, Argentina in 1912, Canada and Chile in 1913, and the U.S. in 1914. Right before World War I started. I guess they were all soccer friends before the world went to heck in a handbasket. So, the Great War. Yeah, the Great War. The war to end all wars. You know, obviously it did not, but... So, anyway, that's you can see my inner history nerd coming out of here. The structure of FIFA, their supreme body is the FIFA Congress, which is made up from the representatives from all the member nations. Each national soccer association has one vote, regardless of its size or soccer strength. It is unlike the Electoral College. Yeah. Yeah. And... Actually, I thought this section, the structure and the govern, like the governance, I thought you'd really enjoy this. Yeah, I do. Because I don't know, especially the concept of like the electoral college and how it doesn't, it doesn't take that into consideration. And we could probably have an entire conversation about mm-hmm. the electoral college and why it exists and whether we like it or not. But it's just interesting to think about that other bodies have their governing structures, mm-hmm. you know, organized, thinking about that or not about that at all. The Congress assembles. Basically, an ordinary session every once every year, and the extraordinary sessions have been held once a year since 1998. The Congress makes decisions relating to FIFA's governing statutes and their method of imp- implementation and application. So only the Congress can pass changes to their statutes, and the Congress approves the annual report, and it also decides on the acceptance of a new national association and holds elections. I mean, it's pretty impressive, the whole governing apparatus that they have it. A lot of work goes into it. Yeah. Kind of a worldwide thing. And like you said, billions of people love the World Cup. So it's a big, powerful well, not organization. Not just the World Cup, just everything they're in charge. Is it CONACAF? Is that part of it too? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so there, there's a lot that goes into mm-hmm. this. So just everything FIFA, really everything internationally, soccer or football. Congress elects the president of FIFA, its general secretary, and the other members of the FIFA Council in the year following the FIFA World Cup. And the FIFA Council, which was formerly called the FIFA Executive Committee and was chaired by the president, is the main decision-making body of the organization in the intervals of Congress. So it, it, it's the thing that makes the decisions while Congress is not in session. Yeah. The council is composed of 37 people, the president, eight vice presidents, and 28 members from the confederations, with at least one of them being a woman. And then the executive committee is the body that decides which country will host the World Cup. So, and there's a lot of there's it's all clean play. Nothing bad happens in that process, right, Justin? It is, of course, it's yes. Totally not corrupt at all. Yeah. Um, which we will not learn about later on. The governance, the laws that govern football, officially known as the laws of the game, are not solely the responsibility of FIFA. They're maintained by a body called the International Football Association Board, the IFAB. So at least, like we already kind of mentioned that a little bit, but at least they're kind of, there is some crossover and mm-hmm. differing organizations having conversations about how it's supposed to be working and how the rules mm-hmm. of the game are applied. Yeah, and they have members, FIFA has members on its board from these, and it's the other four 
representatives provided by the Soccer Associations of the United Kingdom, England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland, who jointly established IFAB in 1882 and are recognized for the creation and history of the game, which is, I think, why all the British people were freaking out this summer when the Americans took it to them in the game. So go America. And then changes to the laws in the game must be agreed on by at least six of the eight delegates. They are in charge of a lot of different competitions throughout the course of the year. So for men's, the FIFA World Cup, we already mentioned. The men's Olympic football tournament, which is the U23, which is under 23. FIFA under 20 World Cup, FIFA under 17 World Cup. The boys' youth Olympic football tournament, which is under 15. The FIFA Futsal World Cup, that's the indoor one. And then the FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup. Again, these are all men's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so for women, they had the FIFA's World, Women's World Cup, the Women's Olympic Soccer Tournament, FIFA Under-20 Women's World Cup, FIFA Under-17 Women's World Cup, and the Girls' Youth Olympic Soccer Tournament, Under-15. There are some clubs that they are, that competitions they are in charge of. The FIFA Club World Cup, the FIFA Youth Cup, and the FIFA Women's Club World Cup which is proposed, hasn't started yet, but hopefully hopefully it's eventually passed. Yeah, Have you ever played, because we're going to talk about eSports here, have you ever played FIFA, the video yeah. game? I've played it a few times. While not being a soccer guy, I have to admit the game is pretty fun to play. I'm not very good at it, which yeah. I know probably surprises you in my video gaming history, but... Uh, well, I'm not surprised. Well, I, I This would not surprise you either. I have a student, had some students that like to talk trash about how good they are at video games, and so I play them in FIFA. They beat me the first two games... And then game three, I, I beat them, which, honestly, as someone who never played the game before, I take that as a W. Mm-hmm. That's, like, one of my biggest crowning achievements. I really wish we could get the NCAA football back, because that is one of the greatest games of all time. Oh, have I told you that story of my the worst night of my life? No, As it applies to NCAA football. Not yeah, in my life, this. but it, <laughs> So I had, a, I had a dynasty, and it was Mizzou football. I had taken them from... Just a little upstart at the time, Big 12 conference team. We'd won the national championship three years in a row. Mad Dog Hildebrand, who was a linebacker. Uh, he's, he's Mad go- Dog. He was like going it. on his second year of probably winning a, the Heisman. Had some other really great players. In the national championship against Notre Dame that year. And it's time's winding down. It was late at night. I miss a field goal. And I saw it sailing wide, and I, in my immediate reaction, just thought, oh, no, my dynasty is ruined because I won't win the game. I reset the game, and then it deleted all of the my work. The entire dynasty. And it was like a five-year dynasty. Wow. So that was pretty awful. You I, know, haven't my, play, I haven't played the game since. Yeah. That was uh, 2005. My brother once lost his entire stats for Call of Duty, his online stats for Call of Duty, that he he flipped out on. Yeah, it was uh, Jonah's listening, I know, so haha. <laughs> All right. So that's anyway, that's a big deal. Yes. So back to esports. Yeah. So like what are they in charge of? They're in charge they like Yeah, they're in, they're in charge of the FIFA E World Cup, which is the latest incarnation of the FIFA video game made by esports. So it's pretty cool, pretty big deal. A lot of people play FIFA World Cup. Yeah, and it's become a real number one sensation obviously, but especially with the advent of the the internet. Mhm. And not I mean, the internet's been around for a while. We've got all these online platforms. Esports pe- is becoming huge. They it's have huge. like leagues and yeah. I, I had a student last year that got a, a scholarship yeah. for esports to Mizzou. Mm-hmm. 
which is freaking crazy. It's it's amazing. I just wish it existed back in the day when I was quote unquote good at video games. Mm-hmm. Especially this whole YouTube thing where you watch other people play people. That's what they do. I catch them watching that in class all the time. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching so-and-so play yeah, a video game. I could have like, been that guy. I'd be yeah. that YouTube channel watching people be like, how is he this good at, mm-hmm. at, at 007? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, should have, could have, would have, I opportunities, suppose. I guess. Yes. Right place, right time. So now into kind of some things that are going to lead into a big part of the controversy, and that has to do with pay structure. The total compensation for the management committee, and this is in 2011, was $30 million for 35 people. As we mentioned, Bladder, who was the only full-time person on the committee, earned approximately 2 million Swiss francs, which is about $1.2 million. Um, actually, it was $1.2 million in salary and the rest in bonuses. Not dollars, yep. francs. <laughs> so then a report in the London's the Sunday Times in June 2014 said the members of the committee had their salaries doubled from 100,000 to 200,000. The report also said leaked documents had indicated 4.4 million dollars in secret bonuses had been paid to the committee members following the 2010 FIFA World Cup in South Africa. So since then there have been reform promises according to three people with direct knowledge of the payments FIFA, who again is a non-profit organization, paid each of the elected representatives on its 37-member council now $250,000 salaries plus tens of thousands of dollars more in travel expenses in 2017. And again, we're just kind of setting the groundwork as far mm-hmm. as these people, this isn't even their full-time job except for the president, they're compensated heavily, but there are opportunities to earn additional funds. Which we will be talking about yeah so so let's move into some of those controversies that we're going to talk about so in 1994 Colombia entered the 94 world cup with high hopes and confidence and because of their star players carlos valderrama and faustino asprilla considered by fans as the gentleman of the field Andres escobar would make a fatal error during their match against the u.s coming off a 3-1 loss with romania Gabriel Gomez received a death threat through fax, but the coach decided after much deliberation not to resign. So Escobar, this is pretty pretty famous, he had a self-goal, which means he scored on himself, on their, on their own team. The U.S. won, he also got death warrants as well, and later on he was found dead in, a, uh, in Medellin, which I think a lot of us know that has a lot to do with the the other Escobar's uh, Colombian mm-hmm. drug cartel, right? Which is one thing to happen, but FIFA, for the most part, did nothing. They essentially ignored it. They didn't do any type of out- outreach. They also didn't look for improving security for players and staff. Like, mm-hmm. and that's just really that's controversial because it's just really bad taste. PR. Yeah, PR. Yeah, PR and... taste. It's just it's not illegal. It's not unethical, even. It's just in bad form. Yeah. You let the Medellin drug cartel basically kill somebody over one of your games. I mean, that's what it kind of sounds like. That's, yeah. I've seen Narcos. I'm kind of an expert on the Medellin cartel, you know, so. But, yeah, it's interesting. It's controversial for sure. And the thought that you're getting death threats over a game shows you how intense people take this sport in people, these events. People take this seriously, and we've mentioned Europe a lot, but this is internationally. This oh, yeah. Is South America. This is, this is Africa. Mm-hmm. This is even now becoming parts of Asia, and even North America. It's a big deal. Yeah. 
So moving on to 1998, Sepp Blatter, who just keeps coming up in our conversation here, he illegally gained prominence within the institution by using bribery. Then he manipulated the whole organization from within. These are all brought to light in 2002-2003 when allegations were made by Michael Zen Ruffinen, who was FIFA's secretary at the time. So Sepp Blatter comes up and up and up in these stories. Yeah, and just to be clear, like, a lot of these are not necessarily proven in a court of law. They are alleged. Mm-hmm. They're proposed. But many of these people no longer work for the organization and have been fired or suspended because of inappropriate actions. So while they're not necessarily in jail for a lot of these things, it's clearly, it's, it's, it's almost like just a cycle of, of inappropriate behavior that we kind of have seen for a long time. So speaking of that, in kind of continue um, about roughing in, um, he actually, again, he was the former Secretary General. He wrote a 30-page report centering on the malpractices and financial mismanagement expressly utilized by Blatter and his various quote-unquote cronies within the organization. And here are a few more. Yeah, so a company closely affiliated with FIFA, the International Sports Media and Marketing Company, is declared bankrupt by the Swiss court. They were the parent company of the International Sports and Leisure company, which they sold World Cup TV rights and negotiated corporate sponsorships. FIFA brought charges against ISMM, claiming a company executives diverted a $60 million payment from a licensee and deposited it into a secret bank account. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and, and Blatter actually kind of got in trouble with this after the ISMM collapsed. As officials from Europe's soccer leagues essentially demanded that he answer 25 questions about his ties to the company and the future of FIFA. And then he comes out and says, listen, this ISL collapse actually cost FIFA nearly $30 million. So that's, if I'm doing math correctly, we're looking at roughly $90 million of misappropriated funds. And these are other organizations, but they were really closely tied with FIFA and at the time Bladder. There's just a lot of, everyone's pointing fingers at one another, but either mm-hmm. way, it cost FIFA that much money. Yeah, and just another example is in 2002, Farah Addo, who's vice president of the Confederation of African Football, tells a daily, told the Daily Mail that he was offered $100,000 to help Blatter win the election in 1998. He turned the money down, but he said 18 other officials accepted payments from Blatter's associates so they would vote for him. However, Seb Blatter did fire back that the allegations were baseless, with a statement on FIFA.com. So again, like you said, a lot of alleged. There's a lot of smoke here, though. There might not be a, a complete fire, but there's a lot of smoke behind this stuff. So, Well, but it's it was so bad. In 2006, FIFA establishes an ethics committee to address allegations of bribery, match-fixing, betting, and other illegal practices. So if it's not a problem... Why do we keep... Why do we create, create a committee? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a committee to just address it, to cr- address the allegations. Mm-hmm. But it's becoming pretty widespread and really pretty well-known tied with this organization. Yeah, so a guy named Jack Warner, who is the president of the Confederation of North, Central, American, and Caribbean Association of Football, he resigned in 2011 after facing numerous corruption and bribery charges. And some of that was, well, he was censured, by the way, in 2006 by the FIFA's Ethics Committee. So way to go, FIFA's Ethics Committee. Mm -hmm. Because Warner allegedly 
was actually the audit revealed that he was he made at least one million dollars illegally selling World Cup tickets. Yeah, and then his deputy, who is the general secretary of Concacaf, Chuck Blazer, he earned the nickname Mister Ten Percent for his rumored skimming on deals and was suspended in 2013 for fraudulent behavior. Right. So there's there's this organization in Italy which is called the Calciopoli. Calciopoli? I say go with it. It was a, it was an underground anonymous Italian ring of corrupted sports betting. In 2004, basically they alleged that Juventus there's this giant doping scandal and there's a giant rumor of uh, referee bribery. So that's doping, big... scandaling, and bribery. Yeah. That sounds a lot like the MLB. That sounds a lot like the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like this is those are some serious allegations. Yeah. That's performance. That's mm-hmm. the court. Like, that's what's happening mm-hmm. in this court. In this in this case, what's happening on the pitch. Yeah. By the way, pitch is the word for the field. I knew that one. Okay. I did right. know that one. Good. Yes. So in 2006, Turin Magistrates finally decided to approach the Italian soccer authorities. And they... They quickly realized that the governing bodies were themselves implicated. So even the, the, the people who are running it are corrupt. Right. Luciano Moghi, who is the Juventus general manager and overlord of the Calciopoli. I apologize. I'm butchering these names, and I recognize that. They asserted an ungodly amount of dominance in soccer politics, politics by manipulating team selections, handpicking referees for games, and even would postpone... And cancel games just randomly, randomly on a whim, right? Yeah, he his influence even reached into the broadcasting and media sector. He used it to benefit soccer coverage, and he was charged. Luciano Maggi was charged with attempted sporting fraud, but this was not only difficult to prove; it was highly an inconclusive legal action. So again, not proven in a court of law, but a lot of allegations here. Yeah, I mean, so there's this there's this crime ring attached to it. There's there are governing bodies, and this is in Italy, true, but there are other things happening, again, in in South Africa, and just it's just it's just a it's a big thing, and I, not South Africa, just the, this confederation of African football in general. 2010, two members of FIFA's executive committee are suspended after a British newspaper reports they offer to sell their World Cup votes. And by the way, that's that's like voting for where it will be held. Yeah, which we'll get into. Yeah. Few minutes. Yeah. Suck, yeah. So regulation and replays from being shown. Oh, they ended replays. Okay, from being shown to referees and fans. So instead of integrating a form of goal line technology for accurate and definitive proof of scores, FIFA decided instead to just take replays out of the game entirely, which is frustrating. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, this was a talk about a way that you can almost. I don't want to say promote, but. If you're talking about referees not, you know, having fair, making fair calls, if you take replay out, you're basically giving them full control over the game. And while that's how sports used to be, we live in the 21st century now. And technology is a way to ensure that you take a little bit of the human element because they can't be everywhere. So I'm not saying that referees should be perfect, but if you have the systems in place to fix them and help them, why not do that? Just ask the New Orleans Saints. You know, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a whole nother. So, but that's, but that, but the point is, is that if you've got that there, why not to, or why take it out? And, and in this instance, they're basically alleging that the reason why it was taken out is so that honestly, they can maybe have more of an impact on the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. And then they started seeing all these officiating errors, 
they started seeing um, when 2012 there was there was a missed goal by Ukraine in their match against England. Like a whole missed goal, like an entire goal was missed in a game that where you see the scores one to nothing or two to one. Missing one goal is pretty pretty gigantic. It's kind of like this would never happen, <clears throat> but like if you're in overtime of a Stanley Cup semifinal game and the team clearly hand passes the puck to somebody else and scores <laughs> and they score and that wins the game. Basically the same thing. Yeah. So. Except. Except for the Blues won. They overcame and won the Stanley Cup. Yes. Which we're excited about here at Nerd is a New Cool Podcast. So. Also not the same, but that that's a good way to tie in the Blues. <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk about fun sports for me. You know, yeah. hockey and football. So, let's look at the 2013 and 14 labor disputes. Brazil was prepping for the 2014 World Cup. Five workers died in construction accidents. This led to thousands of protesters clashing with police during the early summer, and the unrest continued throughout the year leading up to the soccer tournament. Yeah, and, and these South African laborers that constructed the 2014 World Cup facility basically made nothing. They were paid essentially 20 euro or 190 rand. There were strikes, and there were a ton of deaths. Yeah, and I know this will surprise everybody out there. Russia came under fire with exploiting workers. With FIFA. And that's stunning, I'm sure. It sparked investigation. A 34-page report called The Red Card identified FIFA as a sole bearer to blame in connection with unpaid, delayed wages on top of allowing unprotected workers to work in extreme weather conditions, 25 degrees Celsius, negative 25 degrees Celsius, and disregarding legally binding work contracts for six World Cup facility construction sites. Just an unsafe labor situation Mm -hmm. for everyone involved 2015 now we get to jeffrey webb jack warner jose maria marin eduardo lee and even more were all arrested in connection with various scandals um basically that culminated in a 24 year long history of fifa corruption along with arrests officials also jump-started two additional investigations into the awarding of the 2018 and 2020 world cup ceremonies which this not only made it one of the biggest soccer scandals of all time, it also made sour the entire society of international soccer. So how these cities and countries are being chosen is under a microscope and most often thought is incredibly corrupt. Yeah, and so because of this, FIFA's ethics committee suspended Seth Blatter and Platini for eight years. Blatter gave a press conference, kind of like that caught politician, and he declared himself a man of principles, and he promised to appeal the ban... And this is when Infantino becomes a new president and takes over. Right. So he's gone. He's suspended. He's, he's impeached. And here comes our new guy, Infantino. So 2018 Russia. Again, FIFA's choice to award the 2018 World Cup to Russia and also the 2022 World Cup to Qatar has been very criticized, as we mentioned. And there are some FIFA inside sources that Russian kickbacks of cash and gifts given to FIFA executive members were enough to secure the Russian bid just weeks before the result was announced. Yeah, and the Paraguayan Nicolas Leos was a president of the South American Football Confederation. He resigned after he reportedly took $130,000 from a marketing partner and requested knighthood in exchange for his vote supporting England's 2018 World Cup. I love that, though. I love that he's not just wanting money. He wants to be knighted. He wants to be a knight because that's a big deal in 2018. 18, you know. Well, I mean, so. if you're going to ask for it, though. Yeah. He's like Sir Paul McCartney. For sure. Sir Elton John. Mm-hmm. Brazilian Football Confederation President Ricardo 
Texiera stepped down from the executive committee after allegations surfaced that he took $41 million in bribes. I mean, who doesn't like to take a little bribe every once yeah, in a while? Yeah, $41 million. You know, I had a kid buy me a, uh, a Hershey bar this week. It didn't work as a bribe, but they still bought it for me and tried. That was very you know? thoughtful. Yeah. Though. His former father-in-law, his name is Joao Havelang, <laughs> that's so bad, well, he was also implicated. This 97-year-old who, who served as president prior to Vladder <laughs> resigned from FIFA and the International Olympic Committee just before both organizations plan to take disciplinary action against him. So there's at least two presidents that have been seriously implicated yeah. for massive fraud <laughs> and uh, scandals. Yeah, and even on 28 September 2015, Sepp Blatter suggested that the World Cup in 2018 being awarded to Russia was planned before the voting. And in 2022, the World Cup would have been then awarded to the United States. However, this was changed after the election ballot, and the 2022 World Cup was awarded to Qatar. 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 Yeah. Instead of the U.S. Sorry, I threw, I threw you off there with that yeah. pronunciation correction. I think it's Qatar, actually, is the connect Qatar. pronunciation. It might be. I think is what it is, yeah. That was a test for all of us. Yes. And I think that's the one it is. So I want to throw something in here that we just learned about. There is actually a huge... We're talking about esports, and this is another real controversial concept that's going up. If you ever heard of those, like the ultimate team play, it's like an online mm-hmm. mode for FIFA, FIFA soccer. So what you can do is you can purchase player card packs, <coughs> and basically when you purchase these packs, you earn a team, and you, it's kind of like fantasy team. And as you are building your team, you have a better chance to win. You kind of bet, and you and, and really you think about it like you are kind of like gambling. And so some have been alleging this is actually a type of unlicensed gambling. Now, that's one thing to say that's unlicensed gambling. If you're an adult, whatever, that's your own decision. But the biggest issue is that there are kids playing this game. And somewhere I read, like, there, there was some study done with British children that they were saying that one out of ten are participating in this online gambling which is crazy. That is crazy. And 20% of EA's total revenue last year came from these ultimate team packs. So It's all about money. It's, they don't really care what happens, what gets in the way. It's They're making money. So Yeah, and, and again, I'm not against gambling. If you want to gamble, that's <coughs> fine. But the problem is that you've got these kids, and they are clicking buttons and costing, yeah. <laughs> costing the credit card on file. Mm-hmm. Lots of money. Anyway, we can go into talk a lot about that as far as like whether or not you should allow that access. But either way, this has become a controversial concept yeah. dealing with FIFA and the game that they are licensed with. I also want to, I mean, moving on past that, this is 2022 and back to Cutter. Cutter? Yes. A whistleblower who has been unnamed claims that FIFA executive, the FIFA executive committee members, um, Isa Hayato, and Jock Anama was paid were paid 1.5 million to vote for them to host the World Cup. Yeah. So then also there were leaked documents by the Sunday Times. The Qatari state-run TV channel Al Jazeera secretly offered 400 million dollars to FIFA for broadcasting rights just 21 days before FIFA announced that Qatar will hold the 2022 World Cup. It also documented a secret TV deal. Between FIFA and Qatar's state-run media broadcast, that $100 million would also be paid into a designated FIFA account only if Qatar 
wins the World Cup ballot in 2010. Then, an additional $480 million was offered by the state of Qatar government three years after the initial offer, which brings the amount to $880 million offered by Qatar to host the 2022 World Cup. That's a lot of money. That's crazy. And imagine for, like, the players, how hot... That's in the middle of the desert. Like, how hot... It, I remember hearing about that when they said Cutter's got it. It's going to be, like, 120 degrees at some of these games. Yeah. That's going to be dangerous for yeah, these guys to play. And, and they're out there, and they have, obviously playing the game is going to be rough. Mm-hmm. But at least they have amenities, and they can have water on the field or be able to go yeah. into the cool locker room. What about the fans? Yeah. What about the officials? What about the workers? Yeah. I, doesn't seem safe. That's a big bribe. I, that's a lot of money. That's a lot but... of money. Kind of going back, but still talking about Cutter. Um, in 2014, around 15 uh, Nepalese would die in the construction of of the World Cup facilities, and over 4,000 laborers will die before the facility is. That's what they're projecting. Will die before the facility is even completed by 2022. And they've coined this as the blood-stained World Cup. Not very good PR. Yeah, I mean, at what point will people be like, you know what, I'm not going to support this organization. I would say not. I, th- I would say that they will continue to do that because it's all about the money and it's all about your team. Yeah, what's crazy is people will continue to support it. And I mean, I, I'm not going to say I won't watch it, but mm-hmm. this does make me think a little bit about it. I'm going to say I don't watch the World Cup. I'm because, say of, that. because of this? Yeah, that's why. Right. That and because the players flop all I can't I can watch the women's World Cup because their players don't flop all around. I can't stand it when I see the soccer players just flopping around like they're hurt. It's it is hilarious to watch the videos on Twitter and make fun of them. So yeah. I mean there is I think there is an epidemic and I think it's we're not here to discuss, you know, soccer or football politics as far as gameplay, but you know, when you're being rewarded by the referees for doing that because they can't see the play or whatever, uh-huh. whatever the reason might be. I don't blame them. Nope. I mean, you know, as they say, if you're not cheating, you ain't trying, mm-hmm. right? So it totally makes sense. Happens all the time. You think about every. I mean, back to your favorite sport, American football, if you're talking about the holding plays, like the holding happens on every single play. Oh, for sure. Right? So you're always trying. You're doing things to break the rules as long as you just don't get caught. This is mm-hmm. – I, I don't want to say the same, but, I mean, similar – I think every sport has it. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's there's a lot of human. Look at the St. Louis Cardinals in 1985, right? Don Dickinson. So going back, there's always going to be officiating errors, and people are going to be on steroids. And when it's so much about money all the time that, yeah, they're going to try to get the call and the advantage. Right. Let's talk about the future of FIFA. So in 2018, FIFA revised its code of ethics to remove corruption as one of the enumerated bases of ethical violations. It retained bribery, misappropriation of funds, and manipulation of competitions as offenses. But it added a statute of limitation clause that those offenses could not be pursued after a 10-year period. So probably all the guys that were involved in this for the past 20 years are saying, now, nah, well, let's make sure we can't get in trouble. But we'll, we'll, going forward, we'll try and be non-corrupt, Yeah, is what it kind of seems like to me. Yeah, and they also made it an offense to make public statements of a defamatory nature against FIFA. And Alexandra Rang, a rage, a former member of the FIFA Governance Committee, and really is an expert in anti-bribery compliance, said that 
of the revision that the real value of FIFA is the chilling effect this will have on critics. So basically, it's a way to shut critics up and not hold people accountable. Which is crazy. When you, I mean, that's like uh, state... It's like, like communist of, Russia. Sounds like Soviet a lot of Union government policies yes. that are passed in many countries. Yep. So 20, 2022, the Men's World Cup will be held in Qatar. The 2023 Women's World Cup location has not been chosen yet. And then the 2026 Men's World Cup will be held in North America, including Mexico, U.S., and Canada. Which I guess the good thing about that is, at least, especially in the United States, you have all the infrastructure in place already. So yeah. you're not, you're not going to have to have as many people building and... That's why, like, this is off topic, but with the Olympics, they should always be held in a, a developed country. So, because, I mean, you look at, like, Brazil when they had the Olympics. They just got those buildings rotting there now. They had the World Cup, too. Yeah, and the World Cup, and they're just rotting there. They, Whereas in America, you have all the colleges, the NFL stadiums. I mean, you have plenty of things that you can have. Yeah. And that's not just saying, oh, America. It's just saying that you have the things in place already. You don't need to build new buildings, billions of dollars of new buildings that are never going to get used again. Well, I mean, even when they had the World Cup in France, right, all these all these stadiums and the infrastructure already existed. They didn't have to completely build these new stadiums, and mm-hmm. now they're not just, you know, yeah. barren wastelands, which is what's happened in Brazil. It's what's happened in Beijing, even, mm-hmm. because a lot of these stadiums were not in the downtown area, and they just can't sustain them. Yeah. So they want this event, but they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have the population, or even if they have the population, it's not dense enough in certain areas to justify it. So so I, I 100% agree with you there. So why does all this matter? You know, one thing, just again, we talk about PR, but corruption can create a disconnect between the game's governing body and the fans. And For that's, sure. That's a real thing. Yeah, and then also corruption at the highest levels of FIFA, it reduces the incentive to deal with the problems on the field that affect the fan experience especially like racism on the pitch and then match fixing them. I mean, if you're watching a game and you think it's fixed, you're not going to be as interested in it. Yeah, a couple examples. Um, AC Milan's Kevin Prince uh, Botang walked off the field during a friendly match against Pro Patria because he was, honestly, there were a bunch of racist chants happening and he just walked off and his team paid, his teammates followed. Yes, and a few weeks after that, supporters of the Dutch club Den Bosch gave a Haitian-American Josie Altidore similar treatment. The incidents were the latest in a series of ugly moments in the treatment of black players. Europol released the results of a 19-month operation veto that found 680 games with suspicious results, including 150 international friendlies and 380 World Cup and European Championship qualifiers between 2008 and 2011. So for in between for three years... Roughly a little over a thousand discrepancies and suspicious results. I mean, the friendlies, who cares? Yeah. But the qualifiers. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. And actually, I misspoke. There's 680 games total, 150 friendlies, 380 World Cup, and then also European Mm -hmm. Championships. But yeah, if you're qualifying, that's, I mean, that's that's big money if you're a team and country not to get into Mm -hmm. the World Cup. So then the investigation also found that fixing active activity implicated 425 people, including referees and players, some of whom received bribes of over $136,000. Kind of like, you know, think the 1919 Black Sox when they fixed the World Series, taking that money over the win and the game. And yeah, so but, but today these guys make so much money now that bribery to me is kind of interesting. Back then they didn't make a lot of money. Now they are, most of them are millionaires. 
Yeah, you know, and honestly, I, I think the biggest issue is you've alluded to, not even alluded to, you've said flat out, but, you know, that's soccer and this is American football. And if they want to grow the sport internationally, at least to North America, to really just to America, the, these kind of things, the gameplay, if there is racism and if there is, or there, there is obviously, but if that continues and there's no way to clean that up, especially with the outcomes of certain games being contested and just the fraud it's, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. adapt it into a country, I, especially a country like ours that has so many other identi- like mm-hmm. developed professional sports. I can tell you when I, the first thing I think of with FIFA is corruption and then the players diving yeah. is my big yeah. thing. But, no, I mean, I'll be curious. St. Louis is getting an MLS team, so I'll be curious to see yeah. how that grows. And hopefully it grows well in St. Louis and it does good. So I'm pumped. I'm, bu- I'm buying season tickets. Are you going to buy season tickets? Heck yeah. I'm going to bring nice. you to a game. I'm going to get you a hat. I mean, I'll, I'll go to a game. It'll be something fun to do. You you're you're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. We're going to bring a little sheet. We're going to teach you all the terminologies. I'm going to have you I'm gonna have you march in. with. I'm going to wear my football coach hat and my football shirt. That's so, fine. That, yeah. that, no worries. You can wear whatever you want. Personally, I'm of the opinion they should play the state championship high school football games there. Get some movable pylons because it's a good size crowd. Instead of where now they play it in Faroe Field, which sits 70,000 people, and you get 10,000, and it feels empty. Maybe they so. do. Maybe they rotate. Between the Sporting KC mm-hmm. Stadium and St. Louis. Yeah. I think that'd be something cool. Misha, if you're listening. We'll make it happen. Yeah. So let's get to uh, let's get to the end of the show, our nerd outreach here. Well, by the way, I think I think we learned a lot about FIFA today. We did. I learned a lot. I learned a lot, too. Yeah. They're corrupt. <laughs> I kind of knew that. I learned how they were corrupt. Now, now yeah. when I'm arguing with my FIFA friends, yeah. I can be like, well, here's why they're corrupt. There's also a lot of really cool information about the way it's governed. Again, mm-hmm. I thought you would really eat that up. Yeah. And I think you, you did a little bit. For sure. Yeah. So. So thank yous. As of course, as always, thank you to the fans for listening. Yes. Thank you to my lovely wife and daughter, as usual. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Future show suggestions. If you send them in to nerdisanewcoolpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials with the hashtag nerdisanewcoolpodcast. You know, I'm going to start thanking different people. Look at you. So today, I'm, I know we're, I, we already passed this up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank... Couple of my students, Armand and Jimmy, for lending us a microphone because Josh is broke. Yeah. And that was very thoughtful. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. As always, if you want to contact us, uh, make sure to like or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Nerd is the New CO2. You can listen to us pretty much where every podcast can be found. Main ones are Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. Just search Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. Yeah, and just be on the lookout for some upcoming episodes. We're going to be talking Peaky Blinders, Breaking Bad, the new movie El Camino going with Breaking Bad. And we are going to do a special, is it a holiday film, conversation slash debate. Die Hard will be on there. So Absolutely. So again, as always, thanks for listening. Until yeah. next time. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.